Hi, my name is Kelly Holder. Um, I just want to introduce myself, um, and then I'll tell you what we're going to talk about. I'm a third-year med student, and I have a background in public health, so I'm kind of coming back into school. And what we're going to talk about today is just, I just want to basically share stories with you um, about what God has been doing um, through our school and in students at our school. Um, God has just blown me away at what's been going on. Um, so the title is Changing Cadavers, or Raising Cadavers, Changing Doctors, One Student at a Time. Um, I just want to start out um, with prayer, and then I'm going to read a verse. Um, so if you just want to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity um, to come before you. And I just thank you um, for each individual that is in this room today that um, has a heart for you and has a heart for students and a heart for changing doctors um, and reaching patients. Um, God, we are so thankful for what you've done in our lives. Um, and I just pray that will overflow into everything that we do. Um, in your name, amen. Um, I'm going to start out um, and just read Ephesians 2, uh, 4, through 4 and 5. Um, and it says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Um, as a med student, we are pushed to the limits Often we feel like, I know, I have felt like dead man walking. <laughs> like, you can't, you don't know how you're going to get to the next point. Whether you're a believer, a Christian or not, um, we just get to that point of, we just, you just, you're pushed to the end of your rope. Um, but that's not the end. That's not the end point. But what happens a lot of times is that opens up an incredible opportunity to reach into people's lives. Um, and I just want to share stories with you about that um, I just want to let you know kind of my background um, before that. Before I do that, what I want you to do is just take your hands and just put them up in the air and then just fold them. Just fold them, bring them together. Look down and just look at which thumb, which thumb is on top. Just kind of get a good feel for how that feels. For me, my left thumb is on top. I don't know what that means, but my left thumb's on top. All right, take them apart. All right, this time put them back together and make sure the other thumb, opposite one's on top. How's that feel? Does it feel weird? Does it feel awkward? <laughs> All right, do it again. Just put it, open them up. Just put them back how you normally do it, just naturally. How's that feel? Good. Does that feel good? All right, one more time. <laughs> All right, do the opposite. Put the opposite one on top. Doesn't feel quite right, does it? No. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about things that are going to hopefully challenge you a little bit, push you, things that have challenged me, pushed me outside of my comfort zone over and over again. And I hope that you'll be able to do that and be able to step out and to reach your peers. Um, I just want to give you a background of where I've come, um, have a background in public health. Um, I, was just we were, I was just talking with my husband. Um, and my father and father-in-law right now, I guess, have a bet going as to how many years I will be in school. <laughs> I've been in school forever. <laughs> and now I'm in med school. So... Um, but I've been in public health. I have a master's degree in maternal and child health, um, and now I'm back in school. Um, have two boys. This is my eight-year-old, um, Emmaus and Josiah. I just have to show their pictures because they're not here. So, and if you would, they, you would hear them. So. <laughs> um, but we used to live um, in Columbia, South Carolina, and this is and this is my husband. This is a picture we've taken them um, just brief about this picture, taking them on a number of mission trips with us, and this was their first um, round of shots for one of our trips, so they're kind of showing off their uh, toughness there. 
Um, but we lived in we lived in Columbia, South Carolina for a while. We lived in a neighborhood called Tall Pine Circle. Tall Pine Circle was basically a townhouse kind of community. Um, it was one strip long. Um, at the end of our block, there was a, a house with Christmas lights in the window, year-round flashing, that said, Weed sold here. <laughs> um, and it was. It was sold down the block. Um, we had a neighbor, just to tell you, just to kind of give you a picture of our neighborhood. Um, we had a neighbor next door named Gloria. She's a beautiful, wonderful artist. Beautiful pictures. We have, I have one of her pieces of art, but they're all stashed in her closet. Um, we called her the cat lady because all the cats would come, which was really annoying because she was right next door. But she would feed all the cats. They would have kittens, and they would keep coming back. Um, one of our other neighbors was named Hallie. And Hallie, I really, we were talking about it last night. I really don't know how to describe Hallie. She's a single older woman. Um, she worked a night shift um, as a CNA for the most part, um, she had no idea how to use her remote control. And she had no sense of timing to realize that she worked at 3 o'clock in the morning or would get home at 4 o'clock in the morning and wanted to watch her TV shows. So she would come knock on the door and ask us, how do you fix my remote? Please, I need to watch this TV <laughs> No idea it's 2 o'clock or midnight or whatever it was. Um, she would also leave... Um, when she had leftover food that she didn't want, she would leave it on our front door. So we would wake up in the morning, and there would be half loaf of bread and some olives. I, I really don't know what you're supposed to do with that, but we would hang on to the olives and think maybe, I don't, I don't know. And actually, when we moved, we still had random pieces of Hallie's groceries in our pantry. <laughs> um, Mr. Willie was another fellow that we got to know. Mr. Willie lived down the block near the weed sold here section. Um, and he would wander back and forth every day. Um, most of the time, didn't have his, didn't have any shoes. He had pants that were torn, and you could see many things with his torn pants and his bare feet. And he would walk up and down the street just looking for um, yard work. That was his job. He would try to find somewhere that he could get a job for the afternoon. Um, so he'd be raking leaves or whatever he could do. Um, a couple times he would stop by if he had run out of money and asked for food, and I'd if we had something, I'd give him a hard-boiled egg or something or have a popsicle, but I always had him come in and, and just just talk to him. You know, if, you're, if I'm going to give you something, you're going to talk to me. <laughs> so um, we had another neighbor, um, Sinclair. He lived right, on the, right next door to us. Um, Sinclair's house was foreclosed on him. So when we first moved in, it was empty. Nobody was living there. We had no idea it was actually Sinclair's house. But um, So it was foreclosed. It was empty. A few months later, Sinclair rebought his foreclosed house. <laughs> he could afford it that way, so he moved back in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Rick and Lynette was another um, couple. They lived right next door to to what was an empty house, and then turned back into Sinclair's house. Um, or no, they lived in a couple houses down. Anyway, they had two little girls. Um, one was, I think, in sixth grade, and the other one was about kindergarten. I think. Um, but they really, they worked really hard. They didn't have good paying jobs and they didn't have anyone to watch their kids after school. So instead of, you know, trying to find someone, ask a neighbor, I don't know, they pulled a homeless guy off the street into their house to watch their children after school. Um, which is great. <laughs> a few times, um, a few times the, the girls were playing outside with our boys and we noticed, you know, um, he's, he's not really all that with it this afternoon. I'm not sure I want all four of them playing outside. So we would kind of hang out and stay with them. Um, eventually, we started baking cookies with the girls after school and having them come in a little bit. And um, 
try to get to know them. I'm trying to think who else I who else I left out. Oh, Mike. Mike was another neighbor, quite the character. Mike um, was an older gentleman um, that had been on so many drugs, had smoked so many things that basically he was just dying. Um, however, he on a weekly basis, had scheduled prostitutes come through. We knew who they were. They would come in, um, do whatever they did. I don't, you know. And um, he was just a he was just a struggling, struggling older man. Um, eventually, he was. I think he was evicted. Ended up moving out. Um, but he absolutely loved to watch our boys. Loved to watch the kids play and the girls. Um, one other one other character. That I wanted to share about was Tim and Tabitha. Um, they lived right next door to us, right, um, right on the left side, I think. Um, Tim was from—I don't know where he was from—South Carolina. His southern accent, along with his inner-city hood kind of drawl, spoke a completely different language. <laughs> if I talked to him right now, I would not be able to understand a thing that he, and I can't even do it for you. Um, eventually, when you get into it, start talking to him, you can understand what he's saying, but it really takes a long time, and he actually had friends that would help it interpret what he was saying. <laughs> um, There's a lot of domestic violence that went on in their house, in their household. Um, a couple times, actually, police were called and had to come in and break things up. Um, for a while, we think that they were actually working through a um, car-stealing job for a while because we could hear things through the wall, um, which after, actually a couple weeks ago my car was stolen, so I understand that from a whole other side now. <laughs> um, but Tim had um, a few cousins that, and Tim's actually Tim's birthday is the same as mine, so I'll never forget Tim. Um, but Tim was a drug dealer. And you started to learn the signs of what was going on when Tim, was, Tim and his cousins were dealing drugs. You know, there's certain shirts that would be hung outside, certain lights would be on or off. Um, and there happened to be one night that, um, that I happened to walk through, one night where I actually walked through a drug deal going on. Um, completely freaked me out. Um, but it's part of living in that neighborhood. You know, it's just... Um, they would have their their watchdog on the on the side of the road, making sure they knew who was in and out. Um, and uh, it was just it was a tough neighborhood, but God had given us God had given us a heart for hard places, for hard people. Um, we have been in just to give you a little bit um, more background. We have spent a little bit of time in Somalia. I did some research in Somalia. Um, we got evacuated while we were there, and I'm not going to go into all that, but we've just seen some really hard things, and God has, for some reason, just given me a heart for that. Um, my mom, I remember talking with her after um, kind of walking through this drug deal situation, and she said, you know what? You were better off when you were doing all this stuff over in Somalia. Your sister is better working with Muslims. I can't have you living. I can't have you here. And my only response was, you know what? I don't want, I don't want to do this either, you know? scares the heck out of me. I've got two kids, you know, and, but I am safer when I'm in the hands of God than anywhere else. Um, and, and I told her that, and, and we just started to invest in that community. We started to invest in the girls. We started baking cookies. We had them over. We had the community vacuum. <laughs> Anyone that needed to vacuum their apartment townhouse would come to the holder's house and borrow our vacuum. <laughs> And we didn't really want to know what got vacuumed up, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, we had Thanksgiving dinners with the most 
odd-looking people around the table that you can imagine. Um, but we really loved on those people. The people started coming out and connecting with each other. Um, I'm trying to think what else we had. Eventually, I decided I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to get into medical school, and I did, which I have no idea why or how that happened, <laughs> to be honest. And I was so thankful that I got into school because I was like, thank God we can get out of here. You know, God's given me a heart for these people. I absolutely love them, but I'm ready to go. I need a break. I need to just be refreshed and get out of here. And we basically just started to shut down in that community. Um, and, and just, you know, we stopped having people over as often. We stopped, you know, at, at Sunday afternoons, the ice cream truck would come by, would come through, and we'd sit outside with the same guys that de- dealt drugs at night, and we'd have ice cream with them in the afternoon, and they'd play with our kids, you know. And, and we stopped doing those kinds of things because I knew we were leaving. We had six months. Like, we only have six months left. We'll just, you know, kind of bury our head, get just kind of plugged through and, and be done. Um, during that time, I was reading through Acts. And um, I'm going to read the passage that I, that I came to. It was Acts 18, um, 18, 9 through 11. And it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one else is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. I was so convicted by that verse, and I'll I'll tell you a little bit why, Um, and I still am. This verse just pounds in my head. The last part of it, he stayed for a year and a half. A year and a half. I mean, let's think what Paul did in Corinth in in a year and a half. You know, I think about how long are we, we're in med school. I know for the next few years, I'm going to be moving around. And I, you know, so much of me wants to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. When I get out there and I have it together, I'm going to be a doctor and then I can serve. But if you think about it, you're in school for four years, you're in residency, three, five years, whatever you end up doing, that's like 10 years. If you wait 10 years later, what, are you really going to be able to step out at that point? You know, and I was just so convicted that he's telling Paul to do this right now, right here. Um, but he didn't only say that. God also said to Paul, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Keep on speaking. And then he goes on to say, don't be silent. I am with you. No one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in this city. You're not alone. Not only am I with you, there are other support for you. There are other believers that are going to back you up and you can do this in a short amount of time. You don't need to be somewhere for five years, which a lot of times I think that makes more sense to me to build relationships. Um, so I was really convicted by that verse. And part of the reason, you know, we had shut down in that community. There's a neighbor that moved in um, during that time where we were kind of done. And, and honestly, I can't even, I can't tell you their name. I can't even tell you how many kids they have. You know, and to think that we had invested so much in, the, in these people and loved on them. And I can't even tell you who lived next door when we left. You know, I, I, and I, we just made a decision that we're not going to be about that. Um, so I got into school, we moved, and um, I thought, you know what, doctors, med students, they got it together. They're, you know, they know what they're doing. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, God, you, you laid on my heart <laughs> to work with these hard people, to work with Muslims, to work in the inner city, which I love, it's dang hard, but I love it, 
And now you're sending me to med students who they, they got it together. I don't understand this. Then I started school. <laughs> I realized that's not the case. It is a hard place. <laughs> it's a hard place for me, and it's a hard place for all the students that have been sitting next to me. Um, and I just want to share with you stories about what God has done in the lives of people sitting around me. Um, really because of where God has taken me. God has given me a heart for these people and a willingness to see that I don't need to have five years to work with somebody. I can do it right here. And no one is going to be able to reach a med student like me because I'm a med student. When I graduate, no one is going to be able to reach a doctor like me because I'll be a doctor. If you're a nursing student or a nurse, no one is going to be able to reach that person sitting next to you better than you. So often we go to these trainings on how do, we, how do I reach my patient? Absolutely, I want to reach my patients and the people that I am caring for. That's, I mean, that's why we do what we do. But I also want to reach the person sitting next to me that I'm going to do a consultant with, you know, that I'm going to consult on my case with. I want them to know the Lord just as much as the person sitting in front of me. And no one can do that better, better than you. So, um, let me go through this slide. What we kind of, what I've kind of gone through is, we all know what a soap note is. S, subjective, what is the patient telling you? O, objective, um, what are you finding? Your assessment and your plan. And what I want to do is just kind of walk through what a spiritual note is kind of can be like for you and how you can use that to reach your stu- reach students. Um, or if you're a physician or a nurse or are, if already graduate, you're already out in the field, how you can do that also with that person, um, your colleagues. So search for an authentic, authentic life is our S. People are looking for something real. They are looking for someone that is going to be honest with them, that is going to be that is going to love on them, and they're just going to be real. There is. Um, I have a friend of mine now. First few weeks of school, this girl drove me absolutely up the wall. <laughs> she drove me crazy. I didn't want to talk to her. And really, I don't really usually feel like that about anybody. So it was just kind of an odd dynamic. Um, and, and I remember the moment I thought, you know what, Kelly, what are you doing? Why don't you just start praying for this girl? I was like, oh, duh, you know. <laughs> so I, I biked to school every day. Um, this is the only way I could find to get exercise and having kids and everything was to bike to school. And I remember the moment where I, the point where I was biking, where I said, I need to pray for her. It's like, oh. So I prayed for her all the way to school. I prayed for her about the next two or three days. And I didn't even know what to pray. And I, actually, I was just talking with my husband about this. Um, about praying for people that God's laid on your heart. Half of these people that I'm going to share with you about, I don't know what their needs are. I, I have no idea, honestly, how to pray for them or what to pray. God has just laid their names on my heart, and I sit before him with their names, and, and I'm quiet. And somehow God has moved. It has just been awesome. So God laid her, um, her name on my heart. And like three days later, she came up to me and she said, Kelly, there is something different about you, and I need to go out for lunch with you. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what? And that, my first thought was, well, you drive me nuts. I don't want to go out for, you know. <laughs> Why would I want to go out for lunch with you? <laughs> um, but I did. We went out for lunch, and for some reason, she just dropped her life in my hands. She just opened up. She was, tr- she was crying. We laughed together. We cried together. Um, I shared my faith with her. And it was just an awesome, incredible thing to see. And that was just the first moment that I thought, you know what, maybe, maybe God's actually going to be doing something here. Maybe God actually has me here for a reason. Um, I had another student. 
stop me in the hallway in the stairwell with everyone walking by. I'm like, this is not the best place to talk about these things, you know? I'm the one that's more embarrassed about, you know, or uncomfortable about this than somebody else. He pulls me aside and he's like, Kelly, what is different about you? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. And to be honest, I really, I, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but he pulled me aside and he said, you know what? If you and I both jumped off the top of the building, you would land on a mattress and bounce up. <laughs> and I would land straight flat on my face. Is there any other way that someone is telling you something than that? I mean, what do you do with that? You know, he is looking for something authentic. He's looking for something real. And we talked for a while and he said, you know what? These other people, you know, this, this guy over here, there's something different about him. And this, this girl over here, there's something different about her. What's, what is with it, with it with you guys? And all those people that he mentioned are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is seeing something different. And he's looking for that, and he wants something real and something authentic. There's another student in my class. She is the most hardcore, atheistic, liberal person that you can, just all those stereotypes, put them into her. <laughs> Nobody wants to talk to her. She's a very strong leader. She's, she's very direct. And all of the, for the most part, um, the Christians in my class are, are afraid of her. Um, at one point, there was something that came up where I, f- I felt like a believer had made the wrong choice and had just done something a little bit unloving. And, and, I, and I had said that to her. And she was like, really? You don't agree with, you know, what happened here? Because she was like, I don't, I don't think so either. And, um, and so we started talking. And about, <laughs> for about 45 minutes... We talked about how she doesn't want to have a spiritual conversation and why she doesn't want to have a spiritual conversation, (laughs) not realizing the whole time that we're having a spiritual conversation, you know? And at the end of that, she has come back to me several times, and at the end of that conversation, I said, you know what, Kelly, you are the real deal. You're the real deal. You have been straight up with me. You are honest with me. You tell me what you think, but you do it in a loving way. I can tell that you care about me. You're going to care about your patients. And we can have, we have a, I have a heck of a lot of respect for her. She is not, she's a long way from the Lord at this point. But until more people start investing in her life, she's going to take one step closer. Um, And she is looking for something. She's searching for something authentic. And some of those people just make me think, what is, what is, what are the people around you saying about you? You know, are they saying, you know what, what is different? What is different about you? What makes you stand out? You know, is there something different? If there is, is, is it good? Is it bad? What are, what are people saying? Um, and I just want to challenge you to be that person that's living that authentic life, to be the real deal. Um, and to be honest, I don't have any suggestions on how to do that because I don't know what that even means a lot of the time. Um, for O is observing vital signs. A lot of observing of vital signs. What, what I just think about when I think about this is trying to identify where people are at. Where are they at? What do they need? You know, um, this one girl I was just talking about, she needed someone to talk to her for 45 minutes about how she didn't want to have a spiritual conversation. You know, that was the first step for her. It wasn't about coming in and, and telling her, you need Jesus. It was about, let's, let's talk about why you don't want to talk about it. You know, where is she at? Um, this this picture here, this um, 
the, one of the girls, I was supposed to go to a free clinic with her. She's not a believer. Um, we were supposed to do a free clinic together that night. And she came up to me. We were in the middle of class. We have 10-minute breaks in between class. So we had a 10-minute break. She came up to me, and she said, Kelly, I'm not going to be able to make it tonight. Some came up. I can't make it, so um, I'm just going to call, and you just you know, go ahead go by yourself. Um, and I looked at her, and she looked like she was tearing up. And I, honestly, I don't know her that well. Um, and, I, and I just looked at her, and I was like, are you okay? You know, what's, Kristen, what's going on? And, and that was all that, that needed to be said. And she just sat down, and she started crying. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> you know, so we started talking. It turned out that... Um, her dad had just been in a really bad accident. They didn't know if he was going to make it, um, and she needed to go be with her family. Long story short, basically. Um, and my heart started pounding, like, oh, what am I supposed to say? I don't know her. And I felt like I was supposed to pray with her right there. And I was like, dang, man, I don't want to do this. You know, I'm sit- I have 10 minutes in between class. I have all these other things that I needed to do in that 10 minutes. And I sure as heck didn't want to sit with all these people around and pray with somebody I don't even know. <laughs> You know, and so we talked a little bit more, and I was like, okay, the time's ticking away. Like, what do I do here? And so I finally, I said, okay. I said, Kristen, I don't know how you're going to take this, but I feel like I'm supposed to pray with you and pray for your dad right now. And if you're okay with that, then we can pray, and if you're not, that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, really? You would do that? And so we sat right there. And we prayed, and I don't know what I prayed. You know, I was so nervous. I'm sitting in the middle of it, you know, <laughs> like, oh, gosh. And, um, and she, you know, her heart softened. We just had, we were able to talk a little bit more. And after that, a number of students saw that, and they were like, you know what? She just loved they, they don't understand a lot of why you would do that. But all they saw was somebody loved on this girl when she was having a hard time. And people have come back to that and brought it up again. Um, she shared that with her family. She's not a believer, but she was able to share a piece of somebody's faith with their family and know that somebody cared about them and prayed for them. Um, the other girl in that picture um, has become one of my best friends. We take um, a number of missions trips. A lot of the students that come on the mission trips are believers. A lot of them are not because they want to go on a missions trip. They want to get out there and get some experience. So we t- we'll take whoever wants to go. Um, it's absolutely amazing experience to bring some of these non-believers on the trips because they see what God does. Their walls are broken down. They see what God does in people. They see what God does through medicine. It's absolutely amazing. And you get them outside of their environment, and they will share things with you that they wouldn't talk about anywhere else. Um, and this is one of those girls. She, the very last, We had had a few spiritual conversations um, throughout, throughout the week. And... Um, the last day we have just a banquet and everyone shares things and gets to stand up and talk about, you know, what, what, they, what God had done or what they saw or what they enjoyed, whatever they want to share. Um, and she stood up and basically just shared that she felt loved like she had never felt loved before on this trip. And um, she broke down and started crying a little bit. Um, didn't really think a whole lot about it. Afterwards, everyone just kind of started gathering, started getting ready to go. And I noticed that she left. She went outside and got on the bus all by herself. And I was like, man, I, I need to go talk to her and find out what's going on. You know, even though I, there's other people I wanted to talk to before they left, I, needed, I wanted to just kind of find out what's going on. But I thought, you know what? I need to be in tune to what is going on in her life right now. 
And so I went outside on the bus. Nobody else was there. There's just the two of us. And I was like, Cynthia, what's going on? You know, what, what do you think? And we talked. And basically, she, I mean, she just broke down. She started crying. And she basically led herself to the Lord. Prayed a prayer of salvation right there on the bus. Um, absolutely amazing. Um, we, came, we came back, and she was so pumped up to learn the Bible, to pray. We started doing a little Bible study together. And I was the one that's, like, hiding my Bible in my backpack, you know? Yeah, I'll do a Bible study with you. Here's my Bible. She, like, takes her Bible out slams it on the desk, you know? <laughs> so proud that she's got this, you know? So then I'm like, okay, where do you want to do a Bible study? You know, we can go up in the study rooms. Where do you want to go? <laughs> she's like, well, why not right here? We'll just sit in the cafeteria. I'm like, okay. <laughs> So we did. We sat in the cafeteria at lunchtime. We prayed together. We read the Bible. Um, and she just started to grow in her faith. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, so just, you know, thinking about observing the vital signs. Where is somebody at? And being in tune to that and being willing to step out. Because, man, there's a couple times that I don't want to do You know, go talk to somebody else. <laughs> I'm sure they can explain it better to you than I can, you know. Um but God is going to move when you listen and are able to observe and be in tune to what's going on in somebody's life. A um, action and diagnosis. I have one friend. Um, we have one friend. His name is his name is Terry, and he um, started out school. This is not Terry, in case you're wondering. <laughs> um, he started out um, in school. He's he's coming back to school from. Um, doing other things beforehand. He's got a family. He's got a couple kids. Um, actually, there's a third one on the way now. And um, he was seeking. We could tell that he was seeking, and he needed something. Um, you know, and just, just thinking about the first two steps, you know, searching for an authentic life. He was looking for something real. He wanted to find out who is the real deal. You know, what, what do I need? Trying to observe what is going on in his life. What, what does he need? What, how do I get in tune to, to what he needs? And then what do I need to do about it? You know what? Terry needed to get connected. He wasn't ready to do a Bible study. He really wasn't ready for really in-depth conversations, but he was willing to go out for breakfast with my husband and a couple other guys that were dads and pray and just talk. So that's where they started. And they started, they started talking. They started praying with other dads. And um, we realized, you know what? He, he's married. Let's get his wife connected. Why not? You know what? He can, she can talk to other spouses. Nobody's, nobody can reach a medical student's spouse like a medical student's spouse. You know what? So we connected her to other spouses, other women. And she came to know the Lord a couple months later. And Terry started to see in his wife a different person. She would pray. She would pull out her Bible. And he's like, man, what is going on with her? And he started to be interested in going deeper. And so at the time, it wasn't... It wasn't our role. It wasn't my husband's or my role to take him the next step. And we just had a sense that we need to get other men to invest in his life. And so we connected, basically made a referral um, <laughs> to someone else. And they have invested in him. And he has taken the next steps further and has grown in his faith in an absolutely amazing way. Um, and it's just been awesome to see you know, to take those steps. This is what he needs. This is where he's at. And let's do something about it. And you know what? I'm not that person to do something about it, but let's find somebody who is. Let's find another med student to reach him. He's a med student. Let's not have my husband do it. You know? Yeah, he can talk to him. He can reach him, but not like a med student. Another guy that's got kids. You know? 
and they've been able to invest in his life. This girl right here um, has turned into another one of my best friends. Her name is Pam. Um, we went on a missions trip. She had been. She is one that um, she's a partier, a drinker, all the, anything you can think about. And um, she came on a missions trip with us. And uh, I think she was kind of questioning why did I go on a missions trip? <laughs> I don't want you know why. I don't, why would I do this? I have no idea. And her. Her faith and her spiritual questioning, seeking, was extremely challenged on this trip. And she had a moment of um, an extraordinary salvation, turned her life over to Christ um, on this trip. When we got back, there was not a whole lot of follow-up with her. There was nothing, you know, she was one that if there was no follow-up, she would just kind of drift to the wayside and not know, not know what to do. Um, and so I kind of picked her up and... Uh, she started doing a Bible study with these other other two girls, other couple girls, and she is one. That, we we're just talking. We we're just talking about her again. She is one that when she gets into the Word, she is just hungry. She just eats it up. Absolutely loves it. Um, and she has started sharing with her friends. And um, she is one that I, I I was trying to think how many Bible studies she's been in. Probably she was probably in like three different groups a week. Maybe even maybe even four in a prayer group. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and and she just loved it and has grown. Um, she's also someone that needs that consistent mentoring and encouragement. Um, and so we've tried to continue to do that with her. She started reaching out to her friends. I remember one day um, we had a, we have a prayer group, which I'm going to talk about in a, in a minute. That um, we were we were praying we pray at lunchtime as a group of girls and. Um, her friends were sitting behind us, and I asked her afterward, and they were kind of watching, like, I can't believe Pam is sitting with those girls over there. And I asked her afterwards, you know, how was how that for you? You know, is that uncomfortable that, you know, your friends are kind of hanging out, kind of checking out what you're doing? And she said, you know what, it wasn't. And I actually had a chance to talk to them and tell them what I, you know, why I was doing this, um, which is awesome. <laughs> you know, she is going to be a different doctor because of what God did in her life <clears throat> on, on that trip. If you can't tell which one I'm in that picture. <laughs> um, this is um, this is a, by one of my Bible study groups. Um, some of my closest friends that I absolutely love and adore. And um, one of the girls and I decided that we need, we wanted to start just a prayer group. Um, so we prayed at lunchtime. It's kind of just a time to chat, just to come together. Not a whole lot, not really anything in depth. Um, we started at the end of our first year, um, the first meeting of second year, and we started investing in some of these girls' lives that weren't believers, but they wanted to come because that's who their friends were. Um, we, the first meeting, so we started praying for some of these girls. At the first meeting, one of the girls came back, and she's, no, she sent an email, sorry. She sent an email, I was like, I have, to, I have to tell you something. I can't wait till school starts. I'm like, you can't wait until school starts? What is the matter with you? <laughs> So, but the first, so the first week back, we, we got together, and she wanted to share, and um, she had been questioning. She had a lot. She had several um, close friends of hers that had passed away or been killed, um, a couple different really difficult situations in the, about the last six months before this, um, and uh, 
she, another one of the girls had the opportunity to lead her to the Lord over the summer, and she was so fired up. She wanted to get back to school so she could tell all of us what God had done in her life over the summer. Well, I was watching. I was, I was, I was blown away. I mean, I had seen this, and, and I have more... I have more stories, and there's more students than I'm sharing today. I mean, God is just moving. Um, but I was blown away by her story. And I'm sitting here, like, I, I have these two, two, three girls initially that I'm working with that God has just blown me away in their lives. And then I hear this, and I'm like, well, God, why would, how can you do that? I mean, you know, we, and we read, we read, like, the Old Testament, and we think that, that, how can the Israelites be so stupid and do the same mistakes over and over when God's doing these things in their life? And I mean, I still, I still think that. You know, I'm working with new people this year, and I think, how the heck is God going to move in their life? And it's so easy to forget. But anyway, so she, she shared her story. During that time, I watched one of the other, stu- one of the other girls, who at the time, honestly, I, I really just knew her name. I didn't know her very well at all. But her name's Irene. And I, re- I watched her while Teresa was telling her story, and I knew she didn't get what was going on. She missed something. And, um, and one of the girls asked Irene to close in prayer, and she was like, are you kidding me? I don't do that. <laughs> no, I'm, no, no, thank you. <laughs> so, so she didn't pray. <laughs> and so we, so we prayed at the end and, and left. And for some reason, God just laid Irene's name on my heart. I went home that afternoon, and I wrote her name. I, had a, I have a whiteboard in my office, and I wrote Irene across my whiteboard. And I stared at it for about three days. I didn't know her. I didn't know her. Like, again, like, I don't know how to pray for these people. I don't, I really don't know what they need a lot of times. And so her name was just on my heart. I was quiet with it. And I didn't think a whole lot about it. About two, three days later, I felt like God telling me, just ask her where she's at. Just ask her, do you know Jesus? I'm like, man, I do not want to do this. I don't even know her. You know, I, I don't, I know, thank you. <laughs> you can pass this one off to somebody else. And for a couple of days, it kept coming back. Just ask her. Just ask her. Shoot. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll email her <laughs> and ask her if she wants to go out for lunch with me somewhere else where no one else is around. So that's what I did. <laughs> I'm like, we'll get this all situated so I can do this on my own little thing, you know. Okay, so she emailed me back, and she was like, sure, I guess we can do that. you know." And her thought at the same time was, I don't know, Kelly, why is she asked me to go out for lunch? <laughs> so we're planning on going out for lunch the following Wednesday um, of the next week. Friday, we met together again as a prayer group. Um, so we had lunch, and Irene wasn't there. I was like, oh, good. You know, I don't want to talk to her today. Well, Irene, Irene showed up probably with five, ten minutes left of the group. She had gone out to eat, grabbed her lunch. So she just got there at the very end, probably just to say, yeah, I was there. <laughs> um, so we were sharing, and one of the other girls and I were sharing. And um, we asked her, she said, you know, I, I have something on my heart that I want to share next week, if that would be okay. And I thought, well, you know what? I, th- I wonder what's on her heart. What can we pray for? So one of the girls asked her, what, what can we pray for you in the next week? How can we encourage you during this week so that next week when you come back, you'll be, able, you know, you'll, you'll be prepared? So she started talking about what God was doing and what God, she felt like God was maybe doing in her life. And my heart, like, starts pounding. Like, I am supposed to talk to her right here, right now, in front of ten other people. And I don't know what I'm supposed to say to her. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing? So I started asking her questions. And it was like, 
everyone, there's another girl eventually picked up on what was going on. And so the two of us started kind of, <laughs> she says, like really hounding her, which was not the case. But it was like everyone else in the room around the table literally backed up. And it was the three of us and no one else. And she absolutely broke down right there in the cafeteria, 12 other girls sitting around the table, and came to know the Lord at that moment. And she says it was like the skies and the heavens opened up for her. It was absolutely incredibly amazing. And not only did I not, I didn't do it over my own little corner over here, you know, I'll I'll ask her where she's at. Twelve other people got to see what God did. They were a part of that amazing transformation in this girl's life. And that just put all of these wonderful women on fire for the Lord to start sharing and to start leading and talking to their friends about the Lord. One of the other girls one day, um, fairly recently, towards the end, in the spring, I said, oh, are you coming to the prayer group today? And she's like, no. I said, well, why not? Why aren't you coming? I- I'm trying to share my faith. <laughs> and she, and she, took, she t- ended up taking out another friend out for lunch so she could share her faith with her. You know? <laughs> it's like, okay, that, that's okay, Christina. Y'all let you away with that. You can get away with it. Um, but God has been moving in these people's lives. It has been absolutely amazing. And I have no idea why I have been able to be a part of that. Um, it has been an absolute blessing to me to see what God does and to see what God is doing in these girls' lives. Um, in one of our Bible studies, the last one of the last Bible studies we had at the end of last year before everyone um, went out on our rotations, Irene, who's the one that um, I was just talking about, she said, I don't know if you guys realize, but generations have been changed because of you and because what God has done in my life. Generations have changed. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I mean, what a powerful, incredible statement to have someone say to, say to you, generations are changed because what God is doing in my life and because you people invested in me. Man, she is a different person. When I look across my classroom and think when I started of who maybe might sort of kind of be a candidate that I could talk to about the Lord, it is not one of these people. I mean, it is not any of these individuals, what I say, that person would come to know Christ. I mean, it has absolutely blown me away. These people, the people that I have shared with you, people that I haven't shared with you, have come to know the Lord in the cafeteria. They've come to know the Lord on a school bus. They've come to know the Lord um, in other countries. They are from country. They are from Nigeria. They're from St. Kitts. They're from Mexico. They're from Puerto Rico. They're German. Does that count? I don't know. From here... (laughs) Nations are changing because students are coming to know the Lord. I want to share a verse with you. Um, It's from Esther. Esther chapter 4, verse 12. And it says, When when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, and they're talking about, um, he's trying to persuade Esther to help to save the Jews. Mordecai is saying, Esther, God's put you in place for a reason. I need you to, we need you to step up and be that person. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. 
God is moving. We can either choose to be a part of this or we can sit on the sidelines and watch, but God is still going to move. I want to be a part of this. I want to step up and I want to be a part of what God is doing in students' lives and what God is going to do in residents' lives when I'm a resident and what God is going to do in doctors' lives when I'm a physician. God is moving and we can either choose to be a part of that or not. God has placed us in this royal position, which I don't know if I'm in a royal position, but God has placed you here for a reason, and he's challenging you to step up and to do that right now, right where you're at, and to not wait until you have patience in front of you or not wait until you can do it later on, but to do it right now. What I want to do is... um, have you break up? I just want to break some of this down a little bit. We have about 10, just over 10 minutes left. Um, what I want you to do is to break up into groups of like three to four. And I'm just going to ask you questions to just kind of think through the four, um, four different steps and to really think about what you can be doing um, with people that are in your immediate circle around you. Um, so if you want to break up into groups really quick and then um, we'll kind of go through that. one, the S, um, was searching for an authentic life. So I'm just going to read, um, or just read a couple things to you, and then just think about which one is authentic, which one is not authentic. Um, AstroTurf or real grass? You're going to play football. Which one's authentic? The grass. Okay. <laughs> Your grandma's homemade cookies or packaged ones from the dollar store? Grandma's cookies. Okay. <laughs> Thanksgiving turkey with all the sides and the cravings, everything. Or canned turkey like we had once at our house. (laughs) Probably the real turkey. Okay, yeah, I can tell you that one for sure. (laughs) A live Christmas tree or artificial Christmas tree with all the light bulbs glued on. (laughs) The live Christmas tree. Standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon or looking at a picture book. Which one is more authentic? Standing, yeah. What what I want you to talk about is what makes something or someone authentic or real. What make what makes either you can talk through these things that I just mentioned, or if you want to talk about it more personal and in terms of um, you or someone sitting next to you, what makes that more authentic? So just talk about that for a few minutes. <coughs> Thank you. 
As you're talking about that, I also want you to touch on um, why do we attempt to make substitutions? If we can identify and look at what is real, what makes something authentic, why do we always tend to go, often, maybe not always, but tend to go towards a substitution or an alternative? All right, does anyone, we're going to go kind of quickly through this just so you can um, have enough time, but does anyone have any thoughts on what makes something authentic that they want to share? Honesty? Yeah. Passion? Anything else? Yeah. Listening, yeah. Yeah. Christ? Yeah. Anything else? Why do we go towards substitutions? Why do we always look for an alternative? Did you have Did you have another one? Yeah, no, no, but it's so convenient. Convenient, yeah. yeah. Insecurity, fear. Insecurity, fear. Yeah, it's easy. Sometimes it's just easy. Yeah, good. What What was that one? You don't want to do anything hard. You don't want to do anything hard. Yeah. Do you want to put out the extra effort? Comfort zone? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's very hard. It's a number of the, these situations, and um, I can think of a few others as well, but you, it's very difficult to be put in a vulnerable situation and, and to be real in that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's, let's do another one. You can... You can continue to think about some of it, but um, O was observing vital signs. So what I want you to think about, or just think um, for a minute of a few people who you know who may or may not be um, willing or interested to have a, have a spiritual conversation. And then what I want you to talk about is what makes someone, what are some of the signs that someone may be interested in a spiritual conversation, or what are the signs that someone may not be interested in a spiritual conversation? So just kind of identify what are the signs to kind of look at where somebody is really at? Does that make sense?
All right, what are some of the signs that someone may be interested? What are some of the things you might see? Any thoughts? Any thoughts? No? Go on a mission trip with you? <laughs> yeah. Anything else? They ask questions. Like, yeah. Uh, one, thing, one of the kind of differences that we talked about was if you, you know, just bring up, you know, God is so great or, you know, like in casual conversation, like what is uh, kind of your, your faith comes in and whether they shy away from that and mm-hmm. change the subject or whether they, you know, yeah. like ask, inquire, like why you feel that way mm-hmm. or... Uh, maybe keep that conversation kind of going in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I found is asking, I, if I ask questions a lot of times too, it's sometimes it's non-threatening, kind of just kind of what you just to identify where someone's at. Yeah, good. Anything else? No. Okay. Um, what I want to do, we have a few minutes left. Um, this next part, I want if you have your books, I want to challenge you to. Um, Open your books. I don't care where you write it, but write down three people that you know that are in your immediate circle, um, that you are one of their peers, one of their colleagues that God might lay on your heart. Um, If you want to list someone that you think is absolutely a lost cause, there is no way this person is ever coming to know the Lord, write their name down because God may surprise you. If you want to write down someone else's name that you think, you know what, this person may be close. I think, I think if this person has a few more conversations or a few more interactions with a believer, they may, they may make that decision for the Lord. And then if God has just laid someone else on your heart, if you want to write down, if you write down three people's names, um, and then I'll, I'll just give you a minute to do that. And then what I want you to do really quickly, um, and I want to, I know it's almost time to go, but a lot of times just being able to say something out loud or say it to someone else, I just want you to share one thing, one action step that you can take in one of those people's lives. Um, you know, if it's just saying, you know what, I, I want to initiate a conversation with someone. I want to bake them cookies. I, you know, I don't know. I want to help them out on, um, I don't know, if you know something about cars. I don't know anything about cars. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but just uh, I want you to just identify some step of action that you can take in that person's life and just share it with people that you're talking with, okay? And if you don't want to share the person's name at this point, that's that's up to you. That's fine.
All right. I just want to encourage you and challenge you to um, continue to share those things and, and, to, and to take those steps to reach out to your peers. Um, the slide that I have up on, on the um, projector right now, it says students can reach students, doctors can reach doctors, nurses can reach nurses, and spouses can reach spouses. But what I wanted to say is students reaching students, doctors reaching doctors, nurses reaching nurses, and spouses reaching spouses. We can do this, but let's do it. Let's, let's take that step and let's do it. Let's touch those people around us in a way that nobody else can. Um, we serve an awesome God, um, a powerful God that can change lives. And it's because what if he's, he's done in our lives that we need to share that with somebody else. Um, I just want to read a verse really quickly um, from Revelation. It's one of my favorite verses. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and elders. In a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. We have an incredible opportunity to change generations and to change nations and to change physicians and students. And I just want to encourage and challenge you to do that, whether it's in a place that you think is an easy place, whether God has called you to a hard place, because, man, med school is hard. (laughs) That's a hard place. And those hearts are wide open, and God is moving. And I just want to challenge you to step up and to be a part of that for such a time as this. Thank you. Mm-hmm.